Welcome to Capturing the Abandoned, a foray into the world of rural and urban abandoned exploration. Hello, my name is Vincent Gearhart, and along with my co-host, Mr. Lex Nichols, we'd like to welcome you to Episode 4 of Capturing the Abandoned. Here's a little more info on what this show is about. This podcast is for and about rural and urban abandoned explorers from anywhere in the world. And hopefully, on each episode, we will try to highlight and recognize a fellow explorer, such as ourselves, to see what inspires and motivates them. And most importantly, for all of us to get to know these explorers on a more personal level, as an individual, and as an artist. In this episode, we have the esteemed honor and pleasure to have Francesca Catalini, a fellow abandoned explorer, on the show with us. She finds beauty in the abandoned, is drawn to places she captures, and the stories they hold. Francesca currently resides in a small town in Kansas where she was once contacted by Mike Wolf, the star and creator of American Pickers, which led to him featuring her on his Two Lanes blog. More of that in the show notes. Her handle on Instagram is Sierra underscore wins. In addition to her amazing images, she has an informative and unique story to each one. Anywhere from when Jerry Whitmire, who was a drunk from drinking too much silo juice, ended up riding a 200-pound hog down a cattle trail until the poor animal dropped dead, to when in March of 1903, two strangers blew up a bank with three charges of nitroglycerin and made off with 2000 in cash, two gold watches, along with some other valuables. We get a chance to learn a little bit more about her encounters with some wild animals, more than a few ticks and chiggers, along with more of her adventures while out capturing the abandoned. These stories and others significantly enhance her beautifully edited images. So now, on with our interview with Francesca Catalini. Hello, Francesca, and thank you for being our guest on this episode of the Capturing the Abandoned podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. You bet. It's good to have you. Hey, if you'd do us a quick favor, if you would just give us a little background on yourself, a little 411, and just as much or as little as you like. Okay. Well, um, I was born in Kansas, and after first grade, we moved to Connecticut, where I grew up. I really loved living there. The street that we lived on was lined with these Victorian homes, and you had maples going completely down the entire street, and so it created kind of a tunnel, and uh, in the fall... Oh, yeah, it was gorgeous. And in the fall, uh, the leaves, the maple trees, they turned like bright red and orange and yellow and pink. And so it'd be like a big tunnel of color. And then when the leaves would start to fall, they they wouldn't be all dried up and brown like they are here, you know. They'd be all colorful still. So the, the ground was carpeted with color. You had color above you. And out in front of our house, there was this stone post, and it had an iron ring in it. And um, I asked my dad what that was for, and he said, well, that's where they used to tie up the horses. So it was a really cool place to grow up. Wow. And also, if I went out my front door, I could uh, go five blocks one direction, and I'd be at the beach. And if you went, if I went to the left out the front door, went about 12 blocks, there was an old uh, wooded area with an old mill, and I used to go out and hang out down there. And uh, after I graduated, I moved to Colorado, just outside of Winter Park, and it was there that I got into photography. I lived outside of Winter Park in a town called Fraser, and everywhere you look, there's a mountain, so it's gorgeous, and it's hard not to get into landscape photography out there. Oh, yeah, sure. 
So I shot mostly landscapes and wildlife while I was there. But then I started talking to my dad more and uh, on the phone. He lived still back east. And he was telling me about his great aunt who lived in the mining town of Cripple Creek. And of course, back then it was like 40 men to one woman, you know, every, for every woman, there was 40 men. So oh it wasn't really a... <laughs> See, that's tough. <laughs> oh yeah. Not really a safe place to, to be if you're a woman. And plus she had sure. a guarded claim. So she used to carry these pearl handled pistols. They were Colt single action revolvers. <laughs> and wow. they were engraved. And they had these pearl handles on them, and I don't know. She was known as a as a pretty good shot too. So wow. nobody messed with Bessie Ann. <laughs> there you go. We chatted with you a bit earlier. You were contacted by Mike Wolf. He's the star and creator of American Pickers, um, and oh, yeah. he actually featured you on his Tulane blogs. Uh, can you give us a little bit of uh, information on that? Everybody watches American Pickers. Oh yeah. Well, uh, it was about, I don't know, maybe a year ago that I first talked to him. He, he got a hold of me on my Instagram. He DM'd me. And at first I thought, no, this isn't really him, you know. <laughs> but I DM'd him sure. back and I got talking. And then he asked me for my, for my phone number. And we talked a couple times on the phone. And that, that was a trip. So and he's really down to earth guy and he's really interested in preserving history and just like he's on the show you know he's not not a phony or anything he's really down to earth and from then i was you know would talk to him and his assistant and they interviewed me and then that's how it went <laughs> they did a blog with you is that what they did yeah. they, they had you yeah. and featured you on their blog Right, right, yeah. He did a story about me and my Instagram page, which wow. was that's, an honor. I mean, a huge honor and a surprise. Oh, you bet. Yeah, that's a really good article. I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes to it so people can check it out. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's really, it's really well done. So we know that you uh, got started doing uh, mostly landscape and wildlife, but uh, how did you get into this abandoned type photography? Well, at first, well, when I was still in Colorado, I started getting into it then a little bit. Uh, when I found out that my great-grandmother grew up in a mining camp, I started going to mining camps and mining towns in Colorado. Um, I really like Ashcroft. It's a down near um, down near Aspen. And oh, that, that's, a really, that's a really nice one because my favorite building there is the old hotel. I like that one. And uh, down by New Mexico near the town of Trinidad, just outside the town of Trinidad. They have an old uh, mining camp there, Morley. And in there, there's an old church called St. Aloysius. And the front of the church still stands. It's a Spanish-style church. And it still stands up on the highest peak in town. And uh, it overlooks the town. And down below, the only things left are like a few foundations and once in a while a staircase. And you see some right. cattle out there sometimes and lots of deer. But up on the peak, you climb up to the peak and you got this front of this Spanish style church with a big cross on top. And when the sun comes up, it lights up the face of the church. Wow. And it's gorgeous. And it's a really, really, it has a really special feel to it, the place, you know. I mean, I, I talked to Jackson and a few of these other photographers that do abandoned places. And pretty much everyone I've talked to, we all agree that these places all have their own like personality or feeling or vibe to them. 
you know, and sometimes you can see a place that looks dark and creepy, but it might have a peaceful vibe or it might have a creepy vibe. I mean, it doesn't always map. Sure. Each place has its own vibe, you know. That's for sure. Is no, that no, right ahead. below Ratone Pass? Is that the church before you go outside yeah, of Trinidad? Yeah. So yeah. Vincent and I, we tried to get in there, but some gentleman informed us that you can't go in there. It's private property now. So you oh, lucked out. That's, well, I we, knew they we were trying where, to sell it. Yep. We know where the place is. Do you remember that, Vincent? I do. We, we got a few good shots going up to it, but uh, we sure didn't. We were like probably two miles away from it and just couldn't oh, get in. Uh, oh, I yep, walked yep. inside the place. And the weird thing was that I was with my daughter and I walked inside the church and the walls are like the back walls. So the front, the whole front's there with the bell tower missing the bell and the cross on the top. But the walls and the sides in the back, they're like, they vary from like three foot tall up to probably four foot tall in places. And uh, we went in there and we were hanging out. And first I shot looking up, you know, looking up the peak at it. And then I kept taking shots as I got closer. And then I shot the inside. Well, when we went to leave, I looked down on the ground and I saw uh, there was an old kill, you know, some bones that were pretty bleached and picked bare, you know. And then there were some other bones with some fur still on them, and they, not too much meat, I guess, but still some <laughs> fur on them. And I thought, okay, something's been feeding here, and more than once, <laughs> it's yeah. probably time to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, yeah, I got out there. But it was a beautiful place, and it, like I said, it had a really, really special feel to it. So what is your favorite subjects to shoot? What 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 do you like to shoot the best? If you were going to go out and seek something out, what would be your favorite subject? Well, I prefer, you know, buildings, houses, uh, anything from the late, mid to late 1800s or earlier. I mean, if they were earlier, but I mostly focus and find stuff from the 1800s to the early 1900s. I'm really interested in, you know, how the place got first settled and the first settlers that were here and the history of Kansas and the beginnings of it. So what kind of uh, equipment do you use? Uh, what kind of camera, lenses, that kind of thing? Um, I have a Nikon. I'm going to get a wide-angle lens, but I'd also like to get into more um, like long exposure or maybe even some night photography. I'd like to get into all that stuff, but right now a lot of my stuff, I'm just handheld, you know, point shoot and depending on what the place is like you know and what's going on how long i stay get shots from different angles and then i i leave i I like to be able to run if i have to run (laughs) (laughs) so it's good to be mobile that's for sure yep that's right now when you uh process your photos do you do you use any kind of special software or utilities or you just kind of shoot them Uh, and just post what you've shot No, I shoot them, and I have posted what I've shot before, but most of the time I just run them a little bit through Snapseed and Lightroom. But I want to try some new stuff, though, so we'll see. So how long have you been uh, doing this? I've been into photography probably for about three years. I did a little bit in high school. You know, I had a photography class, but and there we even made a pinhole camera out of a Quaker Oats can. That was pretty interesting, and (laughs) then we developed our own film. 
So that was interesting. But uh, as far as the DSLR, probably about three years, but really into the research of these places and the photography and the writing of the stories, that's probably all been a year, maybe a little over. I noticed that's one of the things that you specialize in and you you spend a little time researching the places you go, you you get into detail, you you get to know the people uh, as much as you can. And, um, that, that really oh, yeah. makes your pictures special. The stories that go along with them, it really adds a lot of depth to it, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, when I research them, I always try to use more than one source. And when you do that, sometimes you'll get a bit of the story from this source, and then this other source might have more of the story. And sometimes I can even put together a whole puzzle, you know, and figure out timelines and stuff just by doing that. So, and plus sure. it kind of... Uh, authenticate certain things to me, you know, and I, I use, I talk to as many people as I can. And then I, um, I've even used historical societies. I love going over old newspapers and genealogy sites. I've used genealogy sites. I go to graveyards sometimes to get dates and names. Wow. And then, and then I go to the genealogy sites and plug it all in. And sometimes on those genealogy sites, you know, people who've worked the family tree have put stories in there. Oh, nice. So I can, I do that, but I I really, I love, my favorite is talking to people, you know, who say either, I remember when I was little, this happened, or I remember my dad telling me those type of stories. Those are really my favorite. The genuine, uh, right from the heart, from the source stories. Yeah. Right, right, right. And I really got into this too. The second shot that I took here, the second abandonment that I shot in Kansas was a schoolhouse north of Tescott, Kansas. And when I asked everybody in that area, you know, what what about the schoolhouse? Does anyone know the name or anything about it? Well, no one knew anything. And the only thing they knew is, well, it seems to draw a lot of photographers. Well, so I thought, well, okay, I'll call the school board. They didn't know anything. The historical society didn't know anything. So I kept speaking to people. And finally, one lady gave me a number. It was a landline to a 99-year-old woman named Betty Woody. And she told me, she goes, I can't believe... You want to know about this place? She goes, nobody wants to know about it. <laughs> and she goes, even my kids don't want to hear about it. And she went on to tell me, yeah, her husband, Fred, who passed away, he went to school there. And she was saying, yeah, you know, now kids like to sit in the back of the class. But back then, everybody wanted to sit up front. She said the, the potbelly stove was up front. So in the winter, you could stay warmer up front. And in the summer, that's closer to the window. <laughs> so he awesome. told me all about it yeah so and i got to thinking okay you know some of these places i'm finding online or through new newspapers you know whatever i'm i'm finding out bits and pieces of them but some of these places the only history i've found are firsthand or secondhand accounts and i'm thinking when these people are gone this history is going to be gone to these places and then some of these places I go to and I miss them by like a week or two, they've been torn down or they fell down, you know? And so I feel like I'm in a race to photograph these places and seek out their stories, you know, before all this vanishes because the, the history will just be lost. Yeah. There's a lot of that right. around here too. There's so many places and uh, we don't do much research. We just take pictures, but it would sure be nice to know the history on a lot of it. That's for sure. So it's great. That's a great project that you had. And and the way you're taking the time to preserve history, we we think that's awesome. Oh well, thank you. What is the shadiest place that you've been to? 
not necessarily the worst because we're going to ask you that in the future. Uh, but what's okay? What what's a shady place you've been to where you walk in there and you're like, man, this is just not a good place to be. I think the shadiest place I've ever been is located on the Kansas-Oklahoma border. And uh, I chose the town because in the early 1900s, it was the largest cattle shipping point in the world. And there were like nine saloons and it was a refuge for outlaws like the Dalton gang. They hung out there. And uh, Dan Clifton, uh, he was he was also known as Dynamite Dan or Dynamite Dick. And he, he he was a member of the dueling gang, but he hung out down there too. So it like attracted a lot of bad element, you know. So the house, the town's really rich in history, and a lot of the old buildings are still existing. I mean, some of the glasses broke out, but they're still existing. Well, the the trip started out shady with uh, Google Maps, good old Google Maps, and I'm not knocking Google Maps, mind you, but the the path it chose to send me was the last leg of the trip, I'm finding myself going through these fields over cattle grates and gates that can be closed, you know, but they're open. I go through several of those, and then I come to, like, these woods that are, it's almost like a tunnel of woods, and it seemed to keep getting smaller and smaller in the little path through there, and it wasn't well-worn, but it it was worn. You could see tire tracks, but, I mean, it wasn't well-worn. And then I popped out in the back end of the town, and so... I'm like, well, this town looks really cool, you know. I mean, I didn't see anybody at first. And the streets were all brick, and the old buildings were there, the old Masonic Lodge, the old bank. So I went up to the bank first, and there's no door or windows. But when I get close, there's a bunch of wasps. There's trees growing inside, so I kind of wanted to go in. But there were a lot of wasps kind of guarding the door, so I didn't go in. I got a few cool shots. Then I went and I shot a few other buildings, and this guy walks up to me. And mind you, there's no police in town. There's no businesses in town. There's no school, no post office, nothing in town but a few homes, right? And this guy walks up to me. He's carrying two big plastic, uh, like, grocery bags. And uh, he's got stuff in them, and he just volunteers to me, you know, what's in them. He says, well, I'll I'll tell you what. uh, I'm just taking this to my friend. Uh, That's all I'm doing. I'm just taking this to my friend. It's just stuff I borrowed. It's like I've got beef jerky, cigarettes. I've got uh, beer and just stuff like that, just stuff I borrowed. And I said, oh, okay. okay." And he starts telling me a little bit about the town, not offering me a lot of information, but a little bit. And uh, and then he just out of the blue tells me, uh, yeah, we people don't like much strangers around here. (laughs) And I said, I said, what? (laughs) And he goes, yeah, there's a lot of meth in this town. And and I thought, oh, okay. And uh, it was starting to get dark, so I'm thinking, okay, well, I know I've got to leave. Well, while I was standing there talking to him, oh, I forgot to tell you, while I was standing there talking to him, well, when I first came out of the woods, you know, into the back end of town, a pickup truck with three guys in it was going back the way I just came. And then while I was talking to him in town, these guys would drive past the cross streets, you know, and they would look down at us while we were standing there talking. My daughter was still in the car, you know, and. I thought, well, you know, why are they watching us? And then and then I started getting these paranoid thoughts in my head. Okay, a lot of meth in this town. Okay, they've closed the gate. So if I go back out that way, <laughs> I'm going to be freaking ambushed. Oh, so, my gosh. So wow. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, something just doesn't feel right here, you know. So then I tell him, you know, well, Google Maps brought me this really strange way in the back way in town. 
And I said, is there another way out of town? He goes, oh, yeah, you don't want to go back that way. He goes, I'll tell you how to go. He goes, you go across this old trestle bridge up here. And I wanted to take pictures of that bridge anyway. I didn't know where it was. And so I took a few shots of that on the way out. And he goes, well, you go across that bridge and you go up this road. Now it's going to veer off to the left. He goes, or to the right, rather. He goes, don't don't go that way. He goes, you don't want to go that way. Stay true. Stay true. Keep going. It'll be a ways. Then you'll hit the highway and you go anywhere you want from there. Well, first of all, when I got back in my car, I looked at my phone and it was dead black. I had it plugged in charging and it wasn't dying when I got in town anyway because I wanted my phone fully charged and so did my daughter in case we wanted to take pictures with our phones. Well, both of our phones were completely black. You couldn't even tell if they were charging. And I've been to areas where I've been to areas where I lost service, okay? I've never been anywhere where my phone went dead black and it wouldn't come on and you couldn't tell if it was charging. And so I'm thinking, well, that's really weird. And then we drove that way out and I kept thinking, I'm going to see like in the horror movies, I'm going to see these guys coming up on us in their pickup truck, you know, but I mean, I never did. I never did. And once I, we did hit the highway eventually. So the guy didn't set us up. That's good. Yeah. I bet that was a comforting thought. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had all those thoughts going through my mind, you know, and, and when I went to leave, I went to take a, a, a left out on the highway and a little bit past town, both of our phones came on. They were totally charged. Oh man. That, that is wow. pretty shady. That's for sure. So, like there's some kind of Bermuda triangle thing going on down there. I don't know what's <laughs> going on down there, but somebody's jamming a signal or, or something's going on down there because that was weird. And it's it's always different for a girl, I'm sure. My wife always tells me, you know, it's easy for you to go into this old house or whatever and take pictures. But if you're there and you're a woman and by yourself, you know, it's always a little sketchy. You know, you don't don't know what people are thinking. So, yeah. Right, right. And each, each experience is different, too. It's not the same every single time, like. You know, some of these places I've right. I've been to two or three times and had great experiences, and then maybe one time not so much. Yeah, so, yeah. So, in in all your adventures, so what is your favorite story you like to tell? That the uh, most exciting, most fun, most most adventurous. When I went to Silkville, which is like this, the guy came from France and he tried to set up his own little commune, you know, and it had like the stone school and he raised, he planted all these mulberry trees and he raised silkworms and he actually was successful at making award-winning silk here in Kansas, but he tried to make it like a self-sufficient society. You know, they raised their own food, made their own money. They didn't depend on the outside world or government. And it worked for a while, but then people started leaving and moving away. Well, uh, when I went there, I got like so covered in chiggers that I went to the doctor and the doctor, he goes, I'm a farmer and I'm a doctor. He goes, I've been both for years. And I have to say, this is the worst case of chiggers I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) I I was covered with them. And then another time I went to this old wooden house that gets a lot of photographers attracted to it too. It's out by Marquette. And I went out there and I was, I went out there and I got there like 10 minutes before the storm, right? And these clouds were just like crazy. I love those pictures too. The clouds are just like crazy cool. Big black billowy storm clouds, you know, surrounding this house. And I I get like 10 shots off of the house, maybe maybe five, between five and 10 shots. But I'm only there like 10 minutes. 
And then the sky opens up and starts pouring and I shove my camera up in my shirt. Well, I wouldn't think anything of it. When I get home, I do the the normal little check that I do after I've been out exploring. And I looked and I had 10 ticks in my shirt in 10 minutes. <laughs> in 10 oh minutes, my. I got 10 ticks. And those ticks, oh, are, yeah. they, they get in the worst places too. And there's chiggers. Oh my gosh. We used oh, to go yeah. back to Arkansas almost every summer. And of course, as kids would be running through the woods and doing everything and so we we pretty much had them everywhere so oh yeah 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 yeah, they're no fun and and they're brutal man i mean you itch so bad (laughs) (laughs) i've had them a little bit but i'm telling you that time i was covered from my neck all the way down man i mean it was hideous what is one of the best places you've been to to photograph um you were if you were to look back on your instagram feed and say this is my favorite image what would that be? Um, that would probably be, well, I have, I have favorite places in, in uh, both Kansas and Colorado. <laughs> I don't know if you want both of them. Hey, sure. sure. Well, in Kansas, yeah, sorry. In Kansas, I would say my favorite place, well, it used to be uh, Lost Springs. There was a church there that I just absolutely love. I have a picture on my Instagram of, myself in front of the church in a Victorian outfit. And uh, I really love that place. But now they boarded up the windows. So it's kind of, I don't know, whenever they restore a place or board a place up, if especially if it's new, you know, if it's old and boarded up, that's different. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. Boards on a window or, or a fresh coat of paint. I don't know, for some reason that I'm glad they're preserving it, I guess. But but it kind of takes away the, I don't know, the appeal of it for me to photograph it. In Colorado, my two favorite places would still have to be St. Aloysius Church in Trinidad and um, the old hotel at Ashcroft. So those are your best places. So what are the worst places you've been to? Okay. Uh, Well, I would say this isn't so much a worst place. Well, it kind of is. Okay. It used to be one of my favorite places. So there's this the stone house out on the prairie near Lawrence, uh, Florence, Kansas, rather. So usually when I go exploring anymore, I go by myself. You know, my daughter hasn't been with me on some, but my cousin and her husband used to go with me on a couple of them until this one time <laughs> that we went out to this house. Well, we went out there that day and uh, I had gotten permission to go inside the gate from the landowner. He said, yeah, just go ahead. We don't have any cattle over there right now, so go ahead and go on over there. Well, we went in there, and we started exploring. You know, we walked around the house and shot pictures. I shot some of them in the house and some of just the house. And um, we walked around, explored where the barn used to be. There was an old stone barn, and there's a well out there. And I took a picture inside the well. You couldn't really see it. I shot it with a flash. And I didn't realize till I got home that there were snakes lining the entire walls of that that well. Oh my gosh! But yeah, I didn't even realize that until I brought up the picture and was looking at it on the computer. I go, oh "My God, those are snakes!" And they were <laughs> all over the place. Oh like, my wow. gosh! <laughs> if my wife saw that, she'd be like, "You're never taking me anywhere." <laughs> oh, oh man, I tell you. Well, it was starting to get near dusk, right? So I thought, okay. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to go have you guys stay on this side of the house and I'm going to go on 
on the west side of the house. And the sky wasn't doing anything yet, so I didn't mind shooting it with the west to my back. Well, I walked out further out in this tall grass, and I went further and further. And then I put on, I took some shots and decided, well, I'm going to put on this long lens. So I slapped that on there. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to get out. Now I got to get out further. So I went out even further. And I was taking shots from this angle and that angle. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to drop down and shoot just above the grass. Because I I like, sometimes I like low shots or shots just above the grass. So I dropped down. I got like two clicks off. And I could feel, hear, and sense something huge and powerful coming up on me. I mean, I didn't, it wasn't right behind me, but it was coming in and it was coming in fast. And I popped up and I spun around and I yelled, what the hell? And I'm looking and I'm scanning the grass and I'm not seeing anything. But my mind was like, before I turned around, my mind was like a 200 pound man. Now, I don't know where my mind was getting 200 pounds. I mean, I've been in the grass. People tell you, well, Sounds amplified in grass. Well, it is. But I've been in there with bunnies. I've been in there with quail. I've been in there with coyotes. You know, (laughs) I know the different sounds. And I'm telling you, this was huge and it was powerful. And I didn't see anything. So I started yelling to the others because I'm a little freaked out. You know, well, I'm in Kansas. I'm thinking, okay, it's winter. So I've only got to worry about, you know, my, my foes are snakes, chiggers, and ticks. And right now it's winter, so I'm good. I'm good, you know. I'm golden. But after that, I'm thinking, right. what What the hell was that, you know? And I'm scanning the grass, and I'm yelling to them, hey, something big just ran up on me. Something really big just ran up on me. And I, I don't see it. And I'm, I'm looking around, you know, and I'm walking towards them, but I'm going backwards because I'm not turning my back on whatever this is, you know. And uh, they're walking towards me, and eventually we meet up. Well, we get over there on the other side of the house, the east side of the house, and we're almost near the gate, and I look, and the sky's just blown up, you know, and it's just, like, gone crazy. And so I, I said, I got to get a couple shots of this. And I'm not worried about it now because I'm with other people, and I'm just, I'm so caught up. I mean, you get in these highs, you know, when you see things like that. Sure. Yeah. And, yep. and you know, everything else goes out the window. And I got a few good shots, and, and my cousin's. My cousin's husband, he's like, uh, we, we got to go. Uh, we we got to go. So I feel like something's watching us. We got to go. And, you know, he's not like that. He's the one that's always making fun of me for being overly paranoid and being chicken. And he's just like kind of freaked out. And I'm like, well, that's unusual, you know, coming from you, you know. So, uh, right. yeah. Anyway, but the next day I called and talked to a park ranger and he's like, He's like, well, I'll tell you, a coyote wouldn't act like that. They wouldn't do that unless they were rabid, and then they wouldn't have stopped. And he goes, we've seen right. several mountain lions in that area. And Oh, uh, my gosh. And he goes, and I would have to say, given that it was dusk and you were alone and you dropped down, he said it was probably a mountain lion. <laughs> so like, I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, man, I didn't think about that. And in Colorado, that's one thing, you know, but... I mean, even in Trinidad, they had uh, they had on the news the next day after I'd been to that church. The next day on the news, they had that a lady had walked out of her house and there was one laying on her car, and that was in town. Wow! Yeah, yeah. that's in town. So warming up on the hood. Oh yeah, just like they're like <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, they're like big house cats. You know, that's why they say don't run. You know, and don't turn your back on them. I mean, 
they, sure. They're really similar to cats, you know, house cats. So, Francesca, if you were to tell somebody, this is my favorite shot, this is my best shot, what would it be? And why, why is it your favorite? The one that did the best was the one of Simpson, where you're looking down the rail line and, and you can see the old train depot off to the side and the little sign that says Simpson. And way in the distance, you can see an old uh, uh, silo down there. So that, that one's really sure. cool. But my favorite, my personal favorite is one uh, I took of this building in Mentor, Kansas, and there's a reflection in a puddle. So I got down real low and I was able to get the reflection of the building in the puddle. And I just, I liked the story to that town and I liked the picture. I just, I love reflections. I love puddle reflections. That's so. one of the ones you sent us. That is a, that's an amazing picture. That's for sure. That's, that reflection is awesome. And the color, all the color around too, that the tones is just, it's a beautiful picture for sure. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that's my personal favorite. It didn't, it's not the one that did the best, as I said, but it did good. It did, it's not my, you know, the one that did the best, but it's my favorite. So It doesn't always have to be, you know, something that everybody else approves of because you're subjecting yourself to somebody else's opinion. And we run right. into that a, a lot, you know, Vincent, usually Vincent, but sometimes we'll post something and you know, we'll get four or 500 likes or something, and then we'll get one. Vincent posted a picture uh, near where I live here, and it went off the hook. It was like thousands of likes, and we just could not figure out what it was that people liked about it. But sometimes you have that, and it, and it may not be something you have any control over. Or, and, and we have tried, trust me, we've tried to figure out why people like is it, is it the way you hashtagged it? Is it the way you keyed it? But sometimes yeah, you just well, have you have something that just triggers something with people and, and it goes off. So it's right. amazing. And I also wonder about the algorithm, you know, like I think some things get put out there more than other things. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. That algorithm. So that has something to do with it too. Yeah. Do you get a chance to do any art shows or exhibitions at all? Um, I really haven't yet. I'm working on a book right now. And, yeah, tell us um, about written, that. It's just a, it's a book that, that I'm working on about, well, it's similar to the Instagram, only I'm also including old pictures and other pictures, you know. Because when I post a picture, I pretty much try to pick the best one or two, and I'll end up posting them. And the rest, you know, there's some other good ones, but I just, how many stories can you have for one place? You know what I mean? And I give the history sure. with each. And that, that does kind of limit me, you know, with my selection. So a lot of times on these shoots, I'll only post the best one or two. And then unless I come up with more stories for the town, you know, that's it. So I want to include some of those. And and like I said, it's really cool to see the the historical societies, a lot of them have agreed to let me have, you know, shots of the town like it was. And then I have shots of how it is now and some interviews and little stories and pretty much the same as the Instagram, just a little more to it. So you have That's a title cool. for it already? No, I keep going back and forth on that. So <laughs> I'm just down to the last details on it, you know, figuring out the layout. I was like, OK, do I want to do it by county or how do I want to do this? So just figuring out the details. I have all the components. I just got to slap it together and, and then Good. 
get it out there. At least you have a plan, you know, you're, you're progressing oh, yeah. forward. Yeah. And I've, I've written some articles for the Kansas Department of Tourism. I guess the one on Mine Creek appeared in a travel magazine of theirs. And then, um, let's see, I've put some pictures in a, there's a restaurant up in Northwest Kansas called the Rusty Tractor. I've got some of my pictures in there. And Johnson County is wanting me to do like a, a little art show, but also um, a slideshow presentation is what they were really interested in at first. So Nice. Cool. That would be great. Cool. That sounds like fun. I think everybody has some kind of mission out there, and it's just uh, figuring out how to get it from point A to point B, you know? Right, right. So do you have uh, do you have any upcoming plans? Do you have any shows or... Or are you gonna hang your work anywhere or well not right now i'm i've been working a lot i'm like i said i'm trying to get the book done and then i'm going to work on doing these slideshow presentations and some art shows i've already talked to some libraries in town and and so i'm i'm looking into that but yeah right now i've just been i've been working so much it's even hard to get out and take pictures <laughs> I, I work in the medical field and then i also work part-time in a small town grocery store so between that right. and spending time with my daughter, I don't have, you know, I've been kind of pressed for time here lately. Sure. Life life takes its toll on your time. We all understand uh, that. Oh, definitely. So do you have a, a few people that you'd like to um, do a shout out for? Maybe some Instagram people, art influences, anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like um, you guys, of course. Thank you. And, Thank you. <laughs> and Jackson Faulkner. Yeah. Yep. Amy with Tycon Dog. Jill Coop. Yep. Abandoned North Carolina. And of course Mike Wolf, American Picker, and his brother RJ. So and, and there's probably several others, you know. I I feel like I'm leaving people out and I know I am. So uh Francesca, how can people get a get in touch with you, get a hold of you? What's the best way? Do you have like a website, uh, an email, probably just my DM right Instagram. now. Probably just my DM, yeah, through Instagram. Okay, shoot Perfect. me a DM. So, Francesca, thank you very much for being on the podcast with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. It was a pleasure. Yeah, we appreciate you. Appreciate you making the time to do it. Oh, my! Like I said, my pleasure. Thanks a lot, and uh, we will get this out pretty soon. Okay, thank you. Once again, thank you, Francesca, for being our guest on this, our fourth episode of the Capturing the Abandoned podcast. Be sure to visit and follow Francesca on Instagram at Sierra underscore wins. We are glad you made it this far with us, and as mentioned in the previous podcast, the music beds we use are all composed and performed by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Lex Nichols. The track in this episode is appropriately titled Beautiful Rust. You can find more of Lex's music on his website at lexnichols.com and on his YouTube channel, Spotify, and iTunes. Be sure to give him a listen. We've reached the end of this episode of Capturing the Abandoned, and we hope that you have enjoyed it. You should be able to find this podcast wherever fine podcasts are served, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, and more. Please subscribe and be sure to let any of your adventurous friends and relatives know about this podcast. In order to continue to make this podcast better, 
Your feedback is important to us, so please feel free to reach out to us at capturingtheabandoned at gmail.com and leave us your thoughts, ideas, and suggestions on how we can improve this show and bring you the best Capturing the Abandoned experience. Fun times, exciting guests, and abandoned content are up ahead, so please stay tuned. And until next time, be safe out there.